Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe, and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also, check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case. Volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. Woo! It is hot outside today, so I'm going to keep this short, and then I'm going to get naked and then rub ice cubes on my nipples. Because I believe nipples, well, because they're really sensitive, it'll cool the rest of the body. I think that's how it works. If it doesn't work like that, please tell me. But uh, before we get into my incredibly fun interview with Chris Price, returning to the show to talk about his latest album, Dalmatian, and all of the amazing projects that he's involved with, um, big news, big, big, big news. If you are a professional wrestling fan, 
you may have listened to my other podcast, which is available on the same page called Turn Chuckle. Now, Turn Chuckle is a show that uh, I host with Colin Delaney, former WWE superstar, and we do alternate commentary over early episodes of Monday Night Raw. And I've been very lucky to interview other guests like Ahmed Johnson, uh, Tom Buchanan, the longtime photographer, Jameson, and many more, Dalton Castle. And uh, Turn Chuckle is going to become a live weekly radio show which is uh very exciting me and my friend alex tempest who i interviewed a couple of weeks ago uh, about his uh, country music uh, career we just have absolutely hilarious and filthy conversations about wrestling all the time so we thought let's actually make it a radio show and thanks to nova radio in newcastle we are going to be able to do that now it's not going to be a show for kids and uh, you can listen online, so anyone can listen at any time. It'll be uh, 8 till 10 p.m. Monday evening in the UK. But then the show will be archived and then it will become a weekly podcast show as well on Podbean and on iTunes. So you won't miss out. And we're going to be talking mainly old school wrestling. So, you know, <laughs> but the good thing about that is one, we don't know much about new stuff. And two, then it doesn't date the shows. So you can go back. You know, we'll be choosing different subjects. There will be audience interaction. Turnchuckle will continue with Colin. Um, but he has he's opened up a new business called Pop Rock. It's a kind of geek comic cafe shop kind of thing and it's uh, doing extremely well and it means that he's not free all the time so it means that we can't do it all the time and finding well-known established guests in wrestling is quite hard because oh as the phone goes off um <laughs> I'm going to read it out. Kyle Atkinson added you to the group Backyard Bevies. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a fun group to be a part of. Um, <laughs> you can tell it's summer when you start getting invited to groups like that. Um, yeah, because, you know, Turnchuckle is not a well-known podcast, admittedly, and I'm very lucky to get the guests that I have. It is hard to get guests because I am unknown, so it's kind of hard to sell them on it. You know, I don't get a ton of listeners. Hopefully that will grow. And... Um, there are other well-known podcasters and wrestlers who podcast themselves who do this kind of thing so it just it makes it hard to find guests but it is don't get me wrong there will be some cool guests coming up and i can't announce them quite yet I, there's one that i'm working on and um he's he's uber busy so trying to get him to reply to messages is quite hard and i'm trying not to be a pain in the dick uh to him because i don't want to put him off but if i can get this particular guest it will be the greatest wrestling guest i've ever had bar none uh, so, you know, I'll leave it to you to guess who that might be. So, yes, thank you to, of course, Andrew Kirshner, the sponsor, uh, 15 Surefire Tips for Relieving Back Pain. If you're a musician, there'll be lots of musicians listening to this. You have to carry heavy equipment everywhere, and you probably experience everyday back problems. Do check out the book. It keeps the show running, basically. I can't do it without Andrew uh, because it, t it takes a lot of hours. I know it doesn't sound like it, but um, it takes a lot of hours to, you know, source guests, do the interview, put the show together, and, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really, really appreciate it. He's been here since day one. And, and another thing about actually doing Turn Chuckle from a radio station is it ups the quality of the show as well, which I'm uh, very excited about uh, because I don't have the equipment. I'm poor as shit, man. You know, um, I just, I'm, I rely on the guests to uh, bring the listeners to the show. And uh, yeah, I've, I've been very lucky. So I want to thank all of the uh, listeners for that. But yes, 15 Showfire Tips, link is below the show. And you can also buy it on Kindle as well. 
if uh, if you'd rather not have the paperback version. So yeah, uh, Andrew is great, and he's a collaborator, a music collaborator, and he has his own EP coming out soon as well. So uh, I will be chatting to him about that. Um, so yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. There is more, but you know, like I say, it's very hot, and I want to just sit in front of a fan and just you know be cooler than I am now. I had to turn the fan off to do this. Uh, so I should really stop rambling so much. So yes, before we go into my interview with Chris Price, uh, there will be two songs. One straight after the interview, and then um, the, there'll be one before the interview as well. Because I usually do like a little outro monologue kind of thing, but not today. Because again, I am ready to die of heat exhaustion. And I know that like a lot of people will be listening to this from like LA and stuff, and you'll be like, UK with warm weather? No, surely not. This is hot to me, and I've been in LA, and I've just about coped. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, I, I'm out of shape, basically, so, you know, I need to just cool down wherever possible. So before we go into my interview with Chris, there'll be a song before and after. The song before is from his new album, Dalmatian, and it is called Peculiar Lake Superior. Okay, so with me on Pablo's Poppin Podcast this week, it is my honor to have returning to the show one of the finest songwriters in the entire world, Mr. Chris Price. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm good, and thank you. 
Well, I say it every time, and it's true. Because, um, you know, like like you needed to establish that fact in my mind anymore, but with the, uh, your new album, Dalmatian, um, mm. it's just, again, you continue to blow me away with your writing, with your arrangements, and your vocals are getting better, in my opinion. Um, oh, I don't man. know how you feel about that, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I... Well, I, I that's it's incredibly flattering thank you very much so uh, the songs you had um largely written for a while but uh, did you record them at the time of uh, stop talking or uh some of it yes and some of it i uh sort of begun i had begun recording them at the time and finished them uh, later sort of after the record had been released uh, i had a lot of uh different songs and recordings in various stages of development over the sort of four years that I was really active making all of those songs that would ultimately ultimately be on stop talking. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that included a bunch of other things that didn't make it on the record for one reason or another, not necessarily always because of a, a perceived uh, drop in quality. It was more just like stop talking. I was going for something tonally and uh, I, uh, some of the, some of my favorite things didn't fit as a result. So I, I I didn't even try to finish some of that stuff. I just kind of set it aside and focused on the things that I knew I wanted to put on the first record. Did um, did stop talking kind of influence uh, the arrangements on Dalmatian? Like, did did you start to think about your songs in a different way once stop talking had been released? Um, you know, I'd say I, I definitely learned a few lessons from completing that record and from, uh, from doing other things that I had done in the wake of, uh, of stop talking, um, including the bebop album, which I'm still working on actually mixing it right now. Um, and, uh, it's, you learn all kinds of new things as, as time goes on. And uh, hopefully like, at least I strive to get better and, uh, and improve not only as a as a musician and a songwriter, but as an arranger and a producer and an engineer and 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 as a mixer. Um, so there's there all kinds of little things that I wanted to do, sort of in response to the last things I had done and things that I hadn't tried before, that I just wanted to challenge myself with. Um, so I, I think Dalmatian, particularly, what what makes that album fun for me to listen to is because the whole thing was sort of predicated on a, a sense of discovery. I, I, it's the first record of mine out of the three where I didn't, I wasn't necessarily trying to craft, uh, the, the album when I was making the songs, it was at the end. Once I was sitting on a stockpile of material, I, I started to ask myself a question I hadn't asked before. Like, how does all of this fit together as an album? Uh, usually I like to, to thematically tie it together while I'm writing. Yeah. You know, that's kind of my, my, my mode is normally while I'm writing the songs, I'm, I'm writing with a flow and, and sort of an album in mind. Like this is kind of the sound and the, the space that I'm going to live in for that. But with Dalmatian, I just did a bunch of things, uh, without necessarily one project in mind. And then I had to force myself to make sense of it which uh, really kind of uh, made it a, a, a cool album of discovery. Um, a, lot, a lot of interesting things came up that I wouldn't have thought of if I 
had some sort of rigid idea in my head of what the album was going to be before I started putting it together. Was the kind of a, um, a spontaneous kind of feel that you were going for maybe with this album in terms of like stuff like when you're talking after the songs and uh, the little mm -hmm. bits of other songs that are included at the end of songs like the instrumental yes. of Just In Time and stuff like that? Like what, what right. made you decide upon that? Or was so, that just something that happened naturally? Uh, it, it, it's the, that part of that record is what made the album make sense for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, uh, that, that's how I sort of cracked the code on making it feel like an album. Uh, I basically decided, um, there, there was a lot of back and forth after stop talking because I had was sitting on a big stockpile of stuff. What to do with it all. Do I do some sort of volume two? stop talking volume two? or like a, an expanded edition of Stop Talking with bonus tracks, mm -hmm. or do I release... I At one point, I even thought about calling it all some sort of mixtape or something like that. I even flirted with the, the name the Stop Talking Expansion Pack. <laughs> um, and none of, none of that felt right to me because I really loved the material that I was sitting on, and I didn't want to relegate it to some sort of B-sides collection. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew that I had to make sense of it as an album proper in order for me to, to do something with it. Um, and so I started thinking about, I started thinking about uh, Smiley Smile by the Beach Boys. And uh, the history of that record is just that he was trying, Brian Wilson was trying to make Smile and it, it, fell, it fell apart. And uh, then they were forced to sort of go through the fragments of what they were working on and piece something together because uh, the label needed something out there. The fans were hungry for something. Um, and it, what they ended up putting together was something kind of strange and, and quirky, and it had a rhythm and a feeling that was completely different than what Smile would have been. Yeah, um, It's like its own unique universe, and it's very loose, and it kind of dispenses with the the pretension of, uh, um, I guess like something that's more high concept. It's, a, it's, it's completely, uh, uh, adventurous, playful and, and unpredictable. Um, and so I wanted to take all of this music that I had been sitting on and give it that sort of spirit. Um, I also thought about kid a, uh, and, and amnesiac, uh, which, Amnesiac is another set of songs that was held over from the Kid A sessions and Radiohead ended up having to put something together that did ultimately feel quite different from Kid A. Um, so I, I kind of thought what I need to do is take a bunch of these songs and manipulate them and transform them uh, and maybe chop a few things up uh, and throw it all in a blender to give it this sort of playful vibe that I, I ultimately wanted to come across. Um, I, I, to me, it's like a deep dive studio record. Like it's, it's, that's why you have the banter between people in between songs. You have peaks at little songs, uh, some, some things that aren't on anything. Uh, there's a few snippets after some of the songs that are from songs that I may never release. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially now that I've used pieces of them, um, in, in the record. And then there's things that are ran backwards. There's things that are, are completely deconstructed, like just in time, there's a bit, uh, of high, low at the end of, uh, 
um, I think it's uh, Fever Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of Fever Dream, there's a like a deconstructed portion of the high-low instrumental. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of... Uh, once I realized I I had a lot more material than just the songs and the recordings of those songs, that, that kind of opened up the whole project to me. I was like, Oh, I can do a lot more than just, than just put these things together. I can look at all this other stuff that I'm sitting on and make it, make that be a part of it. Yeah. Well, I I think Um, even for, yeah, out of your three albums, I would say that this is, and this is saying something possibly the most eclectic, um, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I don't know if you would, um, agree with that, I, or not, but I would say so. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, it doesn't conform to one thing or another in almost any way, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, cause we've stopped talking. There is kind of like the, the sort of the highs, no pun intended, but the highs and the lows, you know, where there's the softer songs and then you have something, you know, completely heavy and fast, just completely change the yeah. direction of the album but that changes the yeah it's, it, it's like every song kind of changes the direction of the album this time around yes uh, yeah i mean that, stop talking certainly has the the song you and me and everyone else going right into algebra in the sky yeah uh obviously if you hear it on vinyl there's a side break but if you just stream it <laughs> those things are back to back and uh that's that's kind of a jarring moment um but uh i think that Dalmatian, uh, to me, it just, it was designed to be one experience all the way through. Uh, like I, it's, I think the shortest record I've made, uh, and you know, it's, but it has, it has more tracks than homesick, but somehow it's, I think it's shorter (laughs) or or at least like the same length. Uh, there it's, it's 35, 36 minutes. Um, and it's, I think it's pretty easy to hear all in one go, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at least me personally, I, it, I find it hard when I'm showing it to people. Like, uh, if, if somebody asked me to hear it, I find it hard to figure out where to stop playing. Uh, <laughs> if I start it from the beginning, it just keeps going and, uh, it becomes hard to figure out where to stop. With the, I mean, the, the songs are, um, shorter, but do you, does that happen on purpose? Because, like, when I write songs, if I, say, go the normal route of, like, say, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, middle eight, um, chorus sort of thing, no matter how mm. long that takes, that's just how long that takes. Like, you don't ever feel under any pressure to add the extra chorus in or maybe go for an extra verse or something like that. You just let the song, if you feel like it needs to end there, you just let it end there sort of thing. Absolutely. I think a song is going to be as long as it needs to be or as it wants to be. Mm. And uh, I think uh, I, I'm all for economy and restraint uh, in terms of songwriting. I, I love short songs uh, because usually that that's a symbol, or a mark of, of restraint, which yeah. I think is a good good impulse as a writer. Uh, how how much can you say uh, in a, in a short burst? Uh, I do think, you know, there's obviously space for things that are more expansive. And uh, having said that, like, uh, this is maybe my shortest album or or tied for shortest. It also has the longest tracks on any of the three albums. Hmm. Um, Because, for example, what's a good example of that? Um, 
for longest tracks? Yeah, well, uh, discount. I don't think. I mean, there's, I there's, don't think that anything on Stop Talking cracked the four minute mark, mm-hmm. and I think a couple tracks on this do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just that right there tells you everything. And there's only one on the first album, I think, that cracks the four-minute mark, uh, You Won't See Me Again. Ah. Uh, I've always been into short songs, you know? I, I, love, I love Ray Davies, and he uh, yeah. got in and out uh, and said exactly what he needed to say in two, two and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And, Why the does thing- a song need to be longer if, it, if you can do that? Oh, absolutely, and and the songs never feel short as well because they do feel like they have said everything that they've needed to say, and they've went everywhere that they needed to go within, you know, melodically and arrangement-wise within the songs. So yeah, it, 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 your songs never feel like oh, I wish there was that extra verse or I wish there was that key change or something like that. Like, how do you how do you feel about key changes generally? I I enjoy them. I love modulation mm-hmm. in songwriting. Uh, not just in terms of just like a direct key change, but modulating in and out of a, a, a primary key is always an interesting thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing with, you know, uh, circles and uh, um, what's another way to put it? Uh, I don't know. I'm not the most technical person when it comes to songwriting. I, I, I've internalized a lot of things from listening to a lot of music and uh I think that that's kind of what instinct is as a songwriter is, uh, you know, drawing upon a, a well of knowledge. So if you if you want to be a good songwriter, you have to be a good listener. Yeah. First. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, Brian Wilson is incredible with modulation. And uh, that's that's, you know, the standard for me right there. Mm. Well, um you, I mean, you've written some of the most romantic songs I think I've ever heard, and I'll follow her anywhere. Is possibly that possibly tops the list of uh, <laughs> romantic. So I, I love it. It's beautiful. Um, oh, great! Thank you. It's uh, yeah, I, like it, it. As is usually the case, like my favorite song on any one of your albums changes quite a lot, and um, I think possibly "Peculiar Lake Superior" um, is my favorite. That one moment. is. That one is really good. I like that one a lot. I, I I'm very pleased with the way that that track came out. It's uh, it's actually kind of a it, it, in many ways on that record one of the uh, like one of the showcases for Bebopalula as a band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I co-wrote that song with my Bebop bandmate Alex Jules. Mm. Um, shout out to Alex Jules. He's currently on the road with the Monkeys. Yeah, I know. It's, um, it's ridiculous when I see you guys, like, what you're up to, and it's just, you know, it's always something he's doing. He's doing great. I've seen a couple of the shows, and it's a it's a killer tour. Hmm. It really is. Um, so, yeah, Alex and I wrote that together, and uh, that actually comes from the songwriting game that we play uh, amongst friends. Uh, I've told you about this before, yeah, I think, yeah. on the last show. That came out um, of that. Wow. That's yeah. So that it, it, my wife came up with that title. <laughs> um, shout out to my wife, <laughs> Bethany Davis. Um, she came up with that title and we drew it out of a hat, Alex and I, and we wrote that, uh, in about a half an hour. Wow. So and... Especially since I would say that that is maybe the most ambitious song of the album. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing is, I, I would say that we took something that was, 
kind of pure and innocent when we wrote it. Uh, and we were able to draw something interesting out of it mm. in the studio. Uh, the track really did come out great on that. Everybody did a great job. So Alex is playing Mellotron flutes and, uh, I'm guessing that's also... that, that kind of, that sound at the start, the, it's, Oh, so the, the, the thing at the beginning is, uh, is a, um, uh, what do they call those? A, st- a stylophone. Oh, that's what that is. Ah, nice, yes, to, see, nice to see the stylophone make an appearance. On yes. <laughs> I mean, I, what I wanted, what I wanted was the, the clavialine sound from baby or rich man. Uh-huh. Um, I, I always love that sound. So I was going for something along those lines, but we didn't have that, but I had the stylophone, uh, in the studio. So I, I, I plucked out a, a weird figure. Um, and and then did some interesting things with it uh, in post. Nice. Did um, did you do the scratching bit on the back? You, the scratching bit. Yeah, there's like there's what? the notes, and then if, I think on the back if you, there's like another strip. I think, and you can kind of make a, yes. a scratchy kind of kind of noise. I yeah. don't own one. I've always wanted to own one. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the it's a really interesting piece of uh, electronics. Uh, makes a weird sound. You can make it sound like a clavialine. You can make it sound like a farfisa if you wanted to. Uh, it's it's most prominent on that album, on that song. Mm. I think I've used it on some other things. Uh, I wouldn't have guessed well. it. I wouldn't have guessed it was that though, because like on um, you know like on uh, Space Oddity and stuff like that, you can tell that it's a stylophone. But um... yeah, well, I'd, again, I had to I had to finesse it uh, while when I was mixing it. Uh-huh. Um, and that one went through several revisions uh, in terms of the mixing uh, over from the time I recorded it to when it ultimately wound up on the record. Uh, the Dalmatian wasn't really fully formed until, you know, a couple, a couple weeks before it was actually com- put, completely put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and, and it wasn't even fully formed then because it wasn't until I sent my full... Um, sort of mock-up of exactly how I wanted the record to flow with all the snippets and stuff uh, until I sent that to my friend Ian Dewar, uh, who mastered the album. Um, and he did it uh, analog style through his uh, tape machine and console and did a bunch of interesting things with stereo widening. Um, and it just, he, he, he really uh, put it up a, a few levels way beyond what I was able to do with it. Uh, that was kind of the the key to the whole thing. Yeah, and and was, um, was Uncle John a different mix than the one that had been online for a little while? Uh. There, there's one key difference between that and the uh, single release of Elton John, and that is the uh, of Elton John, <laughs> Uncle John. Okay. Uh, th- there's a there's one key difference between the single release and the album version, and that's the sound of Fernando Perdomo's vocal. Uh-huh. Um, on, on the single, it's more of a, a kind of a radio voice mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And on, on this record, I put it through a Leslie, uh, like sort of a, one of those Leslie speaker vocal sounds. Uh, if, if you ever both um, get a chance to play that live and it's streamed or if I get a chance to see it, uh, see it, please sing Elton John. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Elton John. Yeah, that's great. 
right. It's going to be that now. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, and uh, we'll talk about this more at the end of the interview as well, but there are still copies of uh, Dalmatian available, or am I completely wrong? Because I know they were yeah. running out very quickly after they were... Yeah, actually, there are none. I wow. don't even have one anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I have. I do not have a copy of that album. Oh. I, I hear. I hear it's good. <laughs> uh, but it can uh, digital? Can it be bought digitally? Yes, it's. It can be bought digitally through the Omnivore site or iTunes, and it's streaming on all of the sites: Spotify, wow. Apple Music, all that. Uh, you can even hear some of it uh, on Pandora. It's. Uh, it's definitely out there in the world, but uh, in, digitally. It's going to become right a now. Coll- well another collector's item. It's kind of weird because um, when I hear people talk about your music as well, they know Stop Talking and they know Dalmatian, but some may have not even heard the Homesick album. Um, right. Because that's like... Boy, well, yeah. there's some. There's a lot of space between uh, that, that album and the other two. I did. Uh, yeah, I, I was probably one of the most annoying people for badgering you about when the next album was going to be out. Um, yeah, it's it's good. That's a good motivator for me. <laughs> um, I need to force force it out because uh, it wants to come out. Um, so at, at the moment, um, you've just played a gig um, for uh, first time in a little while with uh, Linda, perhaps, and it was a yes, festival. actually how, yesterday. Ah, uh, how did that go? It went great. It went great. It was a really cool festival called uh, Huchica or Huchica Festival mm-hmm. uh, in Sonoma. It was on a vineyard uh, plot of land, and Jonathan Richmond played on the same stage as us. So did Cass McCombs. Um, it was a uh, it was a good it was a good festival. I really had a great time, and we did our first show with uh, a couple uh, new vocalists, the Rosanna Sisters. They were great, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, I I hope we do a lot more. I've been actually hoping to put together a package of linda and myself to come back over to europe do it um yeah i'm, I'm hoping <laughs> to get that together we'll we'll see if we can make it happen incredible um so i mean it, it must you know at, at linda you know linda has uh you know at her time in life i guess i didn't want to be rude or anything but it like it must be great for her to have these new experiences because I, I guess she's never really done anything like that before um, what she did yesterday. Well, yeah, prior to, uh, to I'd say about, what was it, 2009 or 10? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Uh, and it, it's safe to say within the last 10 years, like her entire live music career has taken place. <laughs> um, it's inspirational. And, you know, I mean, you know. Yes, indeed. And she's uh, she's still so enthusiastic and so passionate about going out and, and performing for people. Uh, it's, it really is inspiring and, uh, uh, it's, it's a good example for me. Uh, I, I, I can't always locate my enthusiasm for things. Uh-huh. And, uh, she does, she does a great job of, uh, sort of keeping it front, front and center. I can imagine that she's, um, I mean, she's she's pretty motivating, but because of um, I guess her her lifestyle and stuff. Like, have you ever done anything like meditated with her or anything like that? Or because I can imagine she does um, a lot of that. She does. Uh, she was meditating quite a bit in the car ride, both there and back, mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of days. 
Um, she's, uh, she's very disciplined, uh, in terms of not just meditation and rest, but, uh, she does a lot of, uh, vocal warm up uh, leading up to a show. She, she takes a, a good amount of time to get ready. Uh, that kind of discipline is, uh, let's say I, it's, it's beyond my comprehension yeah. personally. I, I'm, I'm a pretty loose guy when it comes to, uh, getting ready for shows and, uh, and pretty much anything in my life, really. I'm, I'm kind of loose. <laughs> uh, I mean, Linda has possibly the most relaxing voice I think I've ever heard. Um, just talking. Yeah. Tra- like, there's the track on... Um, um, I think it wasn't Parallelograms, but it was... It may have been... No, it may have been Parallelograms. The, the BBC radio interview. Um, mm, and yeah. it's just her... T- and it's her telling a story about uh, this uh, old Chinese woman who had a hallucination and start seeing all these uh like an indian tribe i believe um like yes. i i've listened to that so many times that relaxes the hell out of me um <laughs> yeah, feel free to tell into because they've, they've put some kind of eq on her voice and there's a little bit of uh, reverb on there and it's just so relaxing right she's quite a disarming person when <laughs> you talk to her uh she like you said she has like a very soft reassuring voice mm. and she can really uh she commands attention when she speaks uh because she she seems to be speaking inward rather than outward she doesn't uh she doesn't try and push anything on anybody uh but she's drawing from a place that's deep and wise and uh and good yeah and so it's it's interesting to hear her speak and when i first met her you know, I didn't know what to expect. I, I knew about one album she had made 40 plus years prior to when I met her. And who knows, you know, she'd been a dental hygienist for four decades after that. Uh, but when I met her, it was like talking to uh, to somebody who is like a, has been like a, a celebrity for 40 years. You know, <laughs> she has like this aura to her. There's she's like a wizard. Yeah. Um, and, and for those who don't know as well, um, because she she released an incredible album, Parallel Grounds, in what, 72, maybe? 1970. Um, 1970, okay. And I guess it didn't really, it wasn't the success that it, it could have been, but it, it developed an underground um, following over the course of 40 years. And then I'm guessing she just went back to, uh, to being a, a dental hygienist. But yep. then I believe that some of her vocals were used on a on a dance track or something like that, and I think that's how it all kind of. Um, it's a, it's kind of a complicated uh, set of circumstances that brought her back into music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first of which is a man named Michael Rosen, or not Michael Rosen. What's his name? Uh, oof, I'm, I can't believe I'm blowing this. Uh, <laughs> We're going to have to edit that out. Michael Rosen is a completely different guy. Um, anyways, a gentleman uh, had uh, tracked her down because he had uh, facilitated the reissue of Parallelograms on CD. Mm-hmm. And uh, he finally tracked her down and, and told her there was all this enthusiasm for everything she had done. And, and he had money for her. And uh, it, was a, it was like a kind of a really eye-opening moment for her she had no idea that anyone knew anything and right around the same time as she's sort of getting gaining um extra notoriety once that reissue comes around uh, a bunch of cool 
acts start name checking her in interviews. Uh, people like uh, Devendra Banhart, and uh, I, I think you know Devendra had her come and sing on one of his records. Yeah. Um, yeah, she mentioned him uh, during that 2005 interview. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was already in the picture at that time, and uh, so that that happened. Uh, Daft Punk put a song of hers in their movie Electroma. Ah, uh, that's. I think that's what it was. The thing that I was. Yes. Of. Yeah. And so, like a bunch of, and and then I believe. Uh, Chimicum Rain was used in a campaign for a fashion company. I can't remember who it was, but uh, that that happened as well. So it was like uh, and that a lot was of with, things. That was without Linda's knowing. Knowledge. Well, this all mm. this all started to come together just around the time that her music had been reissued on CD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just sparked new inter- interest in what she did. And at that time, she started to. There was a concert put on uh, here in Los Angeles at the Red Cat Theater. I was not there, but I know about it. And um, Frosty from Dub Lab had put it together uh, and gathered a bunch of younger artists, people like Julia Holter, uh, had come to sing Linda songs. And Linda was going to, to end the evening with a few of her own. Wow. And it was her first public performance i think ever um and it was where she met julia and julia and her started to collaborate together along with ramona gonzalez from uh uh night jewel that's her project night jewel mm-hmm. um and michelle vidal was there as well i believe and she uh started singing with linda live she had done every performance with Linda Perhacks that Linda ever did until this last one yesterday, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, uh, she was unable to do it and, and we miss her terribly. She's great. Shout out to Michelle Vidal. She is great. And Julia and Ramona. Um, and Durga and Shay and everybody else that has, uh, done shows with us, uh, with Linda. Um, we, we've had some good teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, Linda had started to do recordings with some other people, including Julia and Ramona. And uh, they, uh, it, it was hard for Linda to get all the way over to Silver Lake or Echo Park, where a lot of these people were living, because uh, she lives up in the valley near Topanga Canyon. Um, and Fernando Perdomo, my f- old friend uh, from Miami, Moved out to L.A. and he uh, reached out to her, uh, just cold called her, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, he happened to move to Reseda, which is right down the street from where she lives. So all of a sudden she had this really comfortable travel situa- situation to go from home to the studio. And since I had showed Fernando her music back in 2003 or four, um, he uh, he brought me in on that project and... That's how the whole thing came together. It was a, kind of a beautiful time. I didn't. I did not expect to do any music with Linda Perhax. Uh, <laughs> even when he told me he had met her and that we would do music together, I thought best case scenario I'll meet her and that's it. Uh-huh. Um, but as soon as I came to his place, the day I met her, uh, we were writing a song immediately, and it ended up being the first single off of that album, Freely. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, like I hold 
you uh, yourself and Fernando quite highly in terms of just putting yourself out there and contacting your heroes and being like, right, let's do something. Um, yeah, as was the case with Emmett Road. And I know that it wasn't quite that well, easy. But, see, yeah. the thing is, is for <laughs> Fernando, Fernando is the one that reached out to her and, and put all the gears in motion. Mm. I don't know that I would have done that. It's not That's not my personality type. I'm not the kind of person to do that. Uh, but with Emmett, it was a, a little different. I had to, I had to go to his house because somebody was worried about him. Yeah. No. Um, so that's, that's how I met him. And we just started hanging out and I never pushed him into making any sort of music with me. It was, it was his uh, call to show me all that stuff that one day, uh, uh and sort of open the door for it. I, I gave him the space to do that because I'm his friend and I, if he, if he seems uncomfortable with the idea of talking about music i'm not going to bring it up anymore yeah you know? no i understand that I, I i was speaking um with roger uh mm-hmm. manning just before the release of uh glamping which is incredible by the way um no. <laughs> and i know you Cheers. have a you know i know you have a, a a hand in that as well roger mentioned uh that it was actually you who kind of um, brought up to Roger the idea of actually maybe releasing something. Uh, for for the for glamping you for mean? glamping yeah. Well, um, you know, the, it, with Roger, I uh, I was brought in after we started working on the Emmett Rhodes project together yeah. uh, because we got along really well and that that was kind of a, a successful thing for us uh, in terms of creatively. Uh, so Roger had some things that he was already developing, some songs that were already in the works, and he wanted to get uh, lyrics sorted out, basically. And he asked me to come in and uh, and sort of be Bernie Taupin. Um, so that's kind of that was my role on on a bunch of stuff. I think we wrote like eight or nine songs together mm-hmm. um, in that in that sort of uh, dynamic, and three of them are on glamping. Um, so the, the only song, sorry, the only ahead. song on glamping that I don't have a co-write on is Funhouse. Ah, so these were yeah. songs written from complete scratch, or did Roger have music? Because I know you said that he had he music had music on years, everything. Like, yeah. yeah, he had music on everything. He sent me demos where you know songs were fully formed musically, melodies were in place, chords and chord progressions, uh, sections. It was all pretty fully formed. There was just uh, in a lot of cases, he was sort of doing uh, the thing that I think a lot of us do when we demo things, which is just sort of mumble things out, yeah. like sound out uh, phonetically, not necessarily saying anything. But uh, my job was sort of to take if, if there was a song that already had a few like lines in it that you could discern from the mumbling or a or a clear title or a phrase that was in the chorus i had to take that and sort of flesh it out and figure out a um where to go with that lyrically like operator he had like operator like that was already there yeah. when he sent it to me so i knew i had to write a song involving an operator <laughs> um lyrically at least uh, but the whole song was there musically though the verses the pre-chorus the chorus the bridge everything was there um and it's just about uh getting some of the lyrics uh to to follow the 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 direction it's already going in hmm. did, did he ever um when 
giving you these, uh, you know, fully formed uh, demos. Uh, did he say where they originally came from? Because he, I remember speaking to him ages ago when I was doing, uh, when he was helping me out with my EP. Um, he mentioned mm -hmm. one track went all the way back to 1986. Um, so yeah, did he ever he, say there was a Jellyfish track in there or an Imperial Drag track or anything like that? He, he would occasionally tell me a little bit of background when he'd email me a demo. He'd say, this is something I was working on in college, mm -hmm. you know? And that happened a few times, and so I, I think there are there are some things that kind of uh, come from each era, uh, not not just jellyfish and imperial drag, but like I think that maybe uh, during you know the making of pure imagination and yeah. uh, things like that, like there was things held over from there as well, uh, and then more recent stuff as well. Um, but yeah, he he, the earliest thing I heard of was something that went all the way back to college. Wow. And, uh, yeah, uh, it, and, I, I think the best thing, sorry, go for it. Sorry. I just don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm sure he'll tell some of these stories as more things come out because I know the plan is to put more things out. Mm -hmm. Um, because like I said, I mean, at least just between what me and him, we had gotten through eight or nine and I know there was a lot of other things that I didn't have a hand in. So that, there's at least a, another full-length album's worth of material, um, and I, I think the plan is probably to do it similar to the way that glamping was done and uh, sort of do it in, in stages. Mm. So, yeah, he, he mentioned uh, something along those lines during that interview. I mean, if he does another uh, pledge campaign, it's going to fucking bankrupt me. Um, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, well, I, I, I didn't have enough for his trousers that was <laughs> right i was like right okay this there were some there were some killer clothes i know right? well one i could probably I, the coolest ever yeah there's not a chance i could have fit into any of that but at the same time like i i, I realized i had to draw the line at his trousers as a fan like yeah. even the stuff from the music video one i couldn't afford it and two i was just like yeah. right okay like because the thing is like if if it had been during the days when i had my student loan i would have bought all that shit and then it would have just went yeah. in a box or something. That's the problem. <laughs> like, so, so, so in other words, what you're saying is you couldn't have gotten in his pants if you tried. And not even <laughs> if I tried. Um, <laughs> uh, I did embarrass him. I did tell him that, that there was, we had two polls on the jellyfish page. One of them was for best hair. Uh, and uh -huh. Roger, Roger won that one. And uh, the other one was for sexiest member. And uh, Jason won that one, uh, which isn't Oh, Yeah. It's not a surprise. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Jason was the pinup oh, yeah. of the band, I would say. Yeah. But, you know, everyone got their just uh, due in in the poll. Uh, there's lots of, uh -huh. you know, uh, now ladies in their 40s who are like, ooh, I, I like a bit of tin, you know. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that, that this is why we're the best uh, jellyfish group online for, you know, investigative journalism uh, such as that. Amen. Yeah. Um, well... <laughs> Well, yeah, I uh, all I can tell you about uh, the rest of what's happening with Roger is that there's uh, going to be some really killer music coming out mm. probably in the next year or so. But I know that with regards to his plans, and I, I wouldn't like, I, I definitely wouldn't claim ever to have uh, the idea that he should put something out. I think everybody knows that, and uh, like, I think he knows that better than everybody else. Um, I do think, uh, you know, we had some conversations early on. He was also talking to other people about pledge music and about, uh, 
how how those things tend to go and it was uh he, he definitely seemed interested from the beginning in doing something along those lines use, utilizing that method mm-hmm. um going directly to fans and all that uh, that was always something that was intriguing to him but since i had done one with emmett and you know a few other people he knew had done successful ones he was uh sort of trying to educate himself on that uh that sort of thing and so I did. I did sort of contribute some advice uh, in terms of getting that off the ground, and, uh, and so did a bunch of other people. Hmm. Um, it, it's probably something that you wish he had done a long time ago, because like I love Pure Imagination and Catnip Dynamite, mm-hmm. but it could be said that they didn't maybe reach the audience that they should have, and maybe weren't the success that they could have been. But Glamping seems to have just been a success on all accounts just because yeah. he's found the right platform to be able to you know and and uh, you know and, and i'm not at all going to take credit for this but there was even a tiny bit of credit but things like the the facebook pages that are on there now that are made mm-hmm. by the fans and stuff like that you know it yes. couldn't have hurt surely like absolutely not and uh certainly uh i think whether he did it then or does it now it's it, it would work for him at a, at a, any time um, and we're seeing that sort of play out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. It's definitely been very successful, and and the music is great. I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what's important. He he put together a great collection. That, those four songs are really solid. Oh, absolutely. And uh, before we move on to uh, the the tour that you have upcoming with uh, David Murr mm-hmm. and uh, Lines of Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. the the because you, you were at the, uh, the the gig at the Grammy Museum with Roger. So how was that? And uh, what songs? Because there's been little clips here <laughs> and there. So that is why and stuff like that. But um... we've done we did four songs at okay. the Grammy Museum. There was a there was an extended talk that Roger discussed the, the glamping EP and his, his first two solo albums and, and then some stuff about jellyfish, uh, that there's a, a long talk that I believe everything was filmed, mm-hmm. uh, by the Grammy museum. And I don't know what the plan is with that, but, uh, okay. um, there was a, there is an extended talk to begin. And then we came up and we did four songs. So we, we did operator and Funhouse from the new EP and then we and we did that as why to close, and we also did the land of pure imagination. Oh, nice! Yeah, That's it was a- uh, it's pretty great, and uh, there's some fun surprises in store for August third, which um, is our LA show to sort of kick off the tour you were just referring to, and Roger will also be performing that night. It's uh, the I'd say it's a a pretty cool uh, special night for IPO to have this year in LA. Um, so yeah, it's August 3rd at Molly Malone's Rogers playing. Um, I, David is playing. Then I'm playing or, uh, prior to David, Rob Bonfiglio is playing as well. And he's great. Mm-hmm. So it'll be Rob, David, myself, Roger, Linus, and Fernando is uh, the full lineup. I've, I've really wanted to be at a gig so much. Um, we, we just, and, and, and so I was going to say, so Roger is getting a, a full hour uh, at that uh, Good at Lord. that show. Okay. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be a full set. Uh-huh. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I already know what it's going to be because he sent me the list uh, and uh, it's, it's going to okay. be great. I, I'm it's guessing great. this can't be. We may have to talk about this off air. <laughs> we'll yeah, sh- we'll have to. We'll have to. I'll, I can. I can shoot you a few morsels on the down low <laughs> yeah never trust a journalist which i mean but technically i'm not so you know. um oh, that's right. that's that's exciting um so 
has um does Roger plan on actually the way that Jason um Jason Faulkner will do solo gigs uh wherever say Bex on tour he'll find a little venue and do something mm-hmm. has Roger considered doing that or considered and I know that money is like a, a, a thing that you know it makes things not possible sometimes but has he considered that or um, we've had some conversations about, uh, doing some more performances, uh, outside of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, not, <laughs> nothing <can>. concrete <clears throat> right now. Yeah, Sorry. of course, <laughs> if, if it can happen, it would be incredible. Um, but that's, uh, you know, nothing is, nothing is set in stone yet, but there's definitely some things being discussed and hopefully we can put that all together. Um, I, I've been, uh, I've been pretty enthusiastic and, and uh, forward with my opinion that he should do as much as he can. And mm-hmm. I think he knows that. And I think he does want to play out. Obviously, the Beck schedule is uh, is a demanding one. And uh, we just have to work around it, you yeah. know? I think, I think that might be a thing that fans um, are realizing with Roger. Because everyone, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, why don't they do anything? And it's like they just assume that they're not doing anything. Just because they're mm-hmm. not like releasing solo stuff or playing live and stuff like that, but you know, I think they yeah. realize that, like, it, you know, Roger said again uh, during when I did the Imperial Drag interview, you know, if he had the time, there would have been five Imperial Drag albums or you know, three Umajets albums right. or uh, another three TVI's albums. But it's just right. he's just so busy and things just change yeah. all the time. So yeah, I think everyone totally understands that now. You know, because Roger's mm-hmm. been maybe a bit more, because um, he's done a lot of interviews, and I think you know he is so forward with answering questions and just making it kind of clear to the fans yeah. why, why things happen and why things don't happen and stuff like that. And I think that that's probably, you know, he's probably had more chance to do that now than he ever has because of there's more um, platforms for him to be interviewed and people to take notice. Sort of right. Thing. You know, and, and instead of like, maybe he might have done a website interview like 10 years ago before social media really became a thing. And it might mm-hmm. be out there and it may say, you know, everything that you can need to know, but it, it'll be buried in the depths of the internet somewhere. If you get what right. I mean. But um, so the... What made? I mean, I can understand musical tastes and everything, but um, was there a uh, uh, who made the decision for you, David and um, and Linus to get together? I'm guessing you. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I reached out to David uh, when um, when I first heard uh, a couple of the singles on his new record. I mean, I had already. Was already aware of him obviously prior to that, and yeah. had shared his song "Spellbound" on a Spotify playlist uh-huh. a year before that. But uh, when I started hearing the stuff coming out of uh, what he had done for the new album, I heard the single that he wrote with Blue and a few other few of the other tracks, and really enjoyed it. I knew he had a new record coming out, and uh, I uh, so I, I basically reached out to him and said, "Hey, you know, we, we both have some new music." Uh, out there and i know we both want to get out and play to as many people as we can so maybe uh you can put some things together for us to do in europe and i can put some things together for us to do here in the states and uh, we can sort of put it together now i actually hadn't 
or I had maybe heard but had forgotten that a few years back, uh, David and Linus of Hollywood had done some shows going up the West Coast under the name Melody and Madness. Yes. And obviously Linus is another person that I was interested in reaching out to uh, because he, he his album Cabin Life came out the same day as Dalmatian. Yeah. Um, it was a good week. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, and, and the David album came out the same day as Glamping. Hmm. Um, so, and, and Rob Bonfiglio's album came out a week after that. So everybody and people on the show, say there's no new good music, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of good music right now. It's actually been a pretty good year, especially if you're into that sort of music, mm-hmm. uh, into pop music, uh, some more, I think vintage pop sound. It's, uh, definitely a good time for that right yeah. now. Um, so it was just kind of a no brainer. I, you know, I've known Linus for a long time and have been an admirer of his for a long time. Same with David, but we hadn't ever really done much together in terms of playing. And since they had already had the melody and madness thing together, it just made sense. Um, so when, uh, I, uh, I had sort of, I had learned that Roger was getting ready to do IPO and uh, they were already asking me, David Bash was already asking me to do it. And so I, uh, I basically said, Hey, why don't we try and put the three of us on that bill together and let it sort of be the beginning of a, a run we can do up the West coast. And uh, it's been, uh, it's been great. We have, uh, you know, four shows officially announced right now. Uh, there's a San Diego one on the 2nd of August, then August 3rd, we'll be here in L.A. at IPO. Then August 6th, we'll be at Streetlight Records uh, in San Jose for an in-store performance. And then uh, the 7th, we'll be playing Hotel Utah in San Francisco. Um, and there, we, we expect to add a few more dates going further up the coast, but uh, we don't have anything officially announced yet. Uh, so I'm, I'm guessing as well, because uh, um, something that you said before, uh, where if David could arrange some European things. So has that kind of been talked about? And yeah, we're, we're always talking about everything, you know, it's a, and, and Linus and I are talking about some other things, uh, separate from all of this as well, possibly doing some things on the East coast of the United States. Uh, but you know, we can only, uh, we can only state things that, which, which are (laughs) official. Yeah. No, and uh, uh, right now we officially have four shows on the books. We intend to get more. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, the last time I was on this podcast, I remember specifically talking about sort of joining forces and making sure that as a community, we're all doing things to prop each other up. And this is sort of another one little way of us of uh, propping each other up, you yeah. know, I, I, getting out there together, strength in numbers. It's a it's a beautiful thing. It really is, and and speaking of, of that as well, the last time we were in contact was uh, when I was out in LA, and right. uh, we we played a gig together, and um, I've, it was I've, a pretty good gig. I I enjoyed it. It, it was kind of um, <laughs> I've spoken to uh, Jason Downs, the guy who opened, who's a another hero of mine, um, uh-huh. and that was just insane that he agreed to do that, um, and he enjoyed it. Everyone that I've spoken to has enjoyed it. I'd, I, I, I do apologize because like, I think that you weren't prepared for me to say, okay, let's learn nine songs in like two days. <laughs> and, uh, no, 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 it's, it's fine. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at learning things fast. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I can get into that headspace pretty easily. Uh, and it was fun. I had a lot of fun. It was fun. And the, the, video- My, the only thing that I was, the only thing that I was thrown off 
a bit about a little bit was I wasn't sure I wasn't aware how much uh, you wanted me to sing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is that, it. Because yeah. I spent a lot of time learning the the tracks and learning parts and stuff, and then I was like, oh, I got to sing this stuff too. <laughs> um, so that that was a little bit of, of a curveball, but sometimes a curveball is good; it keeps you sharp. That's true, and yeah, like Stephen Wilson came in and sang a song, and uh, yes, and did a great job. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then I I attempted to sing the rest of the songs. I'm I like I've got Great. I've got the confidence there now, and I've just about reached the mm-hmm. notes. Um, and yeah, you I, did great. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, and I've tried to explain to people uh, what the CIA is like uh, visually. Um, there is a mummified. It's a clown. unique place. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there is a there's a dead person there. There's a few dead people. Uh, like I I forgot that there's like a little kind of gypsy lady. Um, with oh, yeah. gold and stuff, but there's a there's a mummified baby as well. I don't know if you remember that, or, or a right. child. And um, I or forgot is it about... a baby in a jar or something? I think it is, and and I is forgot about jar? that <laughs> until uh, until Jason mentioned that. I was just like, oh god, yeah. Like, and yeah, I, I got crazy. a friend to Google uh, the mummified clown, and uh, there is a picture of him on Google. Um, because I don't think you were really allowed to take pictures in that venue for you know understandably, um. But yeah, that that the the corpse is rented from a, a family who have mm. allowed the venue to use the clown mm. as a display piece. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I don't think it really suited a power pop night, but it was. You know, well, they're not doing it there anymore. No, they're uh, not. They're they're at a different place. Um. Joe's, I think. I think that's what it's Joe's. Right. It's, it's yeah, over the Joe's road from a Baskin American Robbins. pub or something. I think it is, yeah. Is there a Baskin Robbins? There is, and I, I ate so much ice cream that week. Um, oh. Like, the, in Baskin Robbins, there's, like, ice cream wedding cakes and stuff like that. That was just... Yes. I would have yeah. happily pretended I was getting married, but, I mean, the cake would have been... Ice, ice cream cake is good at Bastion Robbins. It's no Carvel, but it's uh, good. Well, I went to the uh, the Cold Stone Creamery as well. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like, I, I ate ridiculous amounts of food. Everyone was like, oh, come here, and we'll pay for it. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, like, and then... I'm, I'm kind of a... I'm, I'm a soft-serve ice cream guy. I like Dairy Queen. That's... Ah, see, I, I didn't go to Dairy Queen. Uh, everyone was like, "Go to In and Out," and it was okay. I mean, I, yeah, prefer, I, pref- I preferred Wendy's. I've got to say, um, huh. I, I, like, um, uh, well, In and Out is pretty special. Uh, it's the the secret menu is great, and the I love the how the fries taste fresh because they are like they taste like potatoes that were just sliced because they are, mm. and. Um, yeah, I mean Shake Shack is good too. See, I I, I had it in and out, but I had it on the morning of leaving, so like it probably wasn't the best idea that I've ever had. Um, oh, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it was okay, but I, I, I it was a bit weird because like at the bottom of the cup there was a Bible verse, and um, mm. underneath all the food there was like a. Um, and like an old lady who was like sort of upset because her son had died of a drug overdose or something. I was just like, oh, okay, that's whoa, bit of a downer. <laughs> yeah. I guess I never noticed a Bible verse on a cup. I I always I thought that was Chick Fil A's move. Uh-huh. It's underneath uh, where there's like the little ridge. Um, and yeah, there's a little Bible mm-hmm. verse in there. But um, yeah, I went to. Okay. Uh, we're gonna make everyone just really hungry. You recommended a ton of places. I uh, went to uh, Kabuki. Uh, uh, Kabuki's, which was like 
the most expensive sushi that I think I've ever had. Wait, kabuki? Yeah. In the middle of Hollywood. uh, In the middle of Katsuya. I think there's a place... Am I just making kabuki up then? No, there there is a place called Kabuki, but I'm not sure that I would have recommended it to you. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, um, I, if, if I were to recommend a sushi place out here, it would have been Kula. Okay. I'm now known as Kura. It's a revolving sushi concept in Little um, Tokyo. Really fantastic. And and cheap, too. Uh, all plates, 250 each. Oh, God. So, yeah, the place we went to was not cheap. Um, yep. Like $200 well, you, between you could, the three of them. You yeah. could have been at Katsuya. Katsuya is a fancy sushi place. Okay. Oh, well, um, I'll it's bet. good, but it's fancy. I'll bear that in mind for next time. Um, but the one place where we did go uh, was 25 Degrees, mm-hmm. and that was after the gig. Yes, I um, remember that. Yeah. And I went again that week. I had the sirloin steak burger, and it was... Uh-huh. Uh, you're not jogging. It was the best burger I ever had. And it's Prince's it's favorite burger restaurant burger. as well, wasn't it? That that's what I've been told. Yeah, he used to love that place. He would play sometimes in a room in the Roosevelt Hotel, which is what twenty five degrees is connected to. Yeah, and he would close the place out for him and his buddies. <laughs> you um, you kind of had it's to quite walk... a good. Sorry, go quite ahead. a good burger. Oh, it... uh, my favorite burger in in L A. Just so that we have this on tape right now, my favorite <laughs> burger in L A. is uh, Cassell's Hamburgers, uh-huh. uh, which is on Sixth and Normandy in Koreatown. Uh, that's it's also connected to a hotel, the Hotel Normandy. In fact, um, it's, w- it's weird how these these ho- hotels have the best burger joints connected to them here in LA. Yeah, the, the twenty five degrees. You had to walk through the hotel. Not I don't know if it was a lobby, but it was just this massive room just to get yeah. to the restroom, uh, and it was like the yeah. grandest room at, like, I think I've ever seen. Um, it's quite a nice hotel, the Roosevelt. It's yeah, pretty great. It looks pretty like legendary it. too, and I think a little haunted for sure. But uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but twenty five degrees is great. It was it was amazing. Like the second time, the second day that I went there, um, I was um, I, you know dropping names now, but I was hanging out with uh, Chloe Sturmer, Andy's daughter, and um, uh-huh. she had to she had to go to college. Um, we had breakfast. She had to go to college. So then I was just Mister Tourist on Hollywood Boulevard and just taking all the. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I didn't want to crouch down next to every star on the Walk of Fame, but I just put my feet in the, the picture and then took that picture. Um, but there was a uh-huh. couple that I crouched down next to, like uh, Queen and um, a couple of a couple of others. But um, because I had the camera and I was just Mr. Tourist, I must have been stopped by about five or six Scientology um, oh, yeah. groups. Yeah. And um, I was just kind of I was really nice, you know, <laughs> kind of mm. offering me free tickets. And I was just like, ah. Okay. Right. And, and then the, I, I did go inside with one of them. And because they were like, oh. hey, they were like, would you like to take a personality test? And I was like, ah, okay, why not? And uh, You so, took one? No. Um, because they were like, oh, it's three hours long. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Yeah, they, it, like, <laughs> that, I, I can't even imagine, man. I, I feel like I would imagine. Never leave if um if I went in there. I, 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 we may have talked about this that night at Rex and Christina's. That was a great night. Just sat around the table eating yeah amazing pizza and uh, just jamming a bit. Right. And, um, yeah, we, that was a good night. It, it, like Hollywood Boulevard's, Boulevard's kind of weird. Where I've never seen homeless people sat with their back to the road. They're usually uh-huh. sat against the building, sort of thing. But they, a, a lot of them look like sort of the cast of Mad Max. Uh, they were like just these big groups of just people with like, you know, um, like mohawks right. and leather jackets and stuff like that. And I, sure. I bought 
a group of them a ton of McDonald's just to get away from the uh, Scientology people. But I do still have the tickets, um, and I may frame them because mm. I think it's it's quite funny that I've got them. But um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean that that area that you're talking about is sort of a it's a it's a very popular area for Scientologists to accost people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and it, like. There was families and everything, but it was nothing but Scientology places, tourist places, and uh, sex shops. Um, It's Times Square, basically. (laughs) Hollywood and Highland is the Times Square of Los Angeles. The Divorce Album is a unique new concept from one of my favorite artists, Secret Friend. The Divorce Album is a unique concept split into two sides, mine and yours. Mine features six new songs from Secret Friend, and yours features those same six songs performed by six other artists. All of the songs are breakup songs, but let's face it, the best songs usually are. Featured artists include Taylor Locke, Sam Robson, Carla Kane, Wyatt Funderburg, Willie Wisely, a certain Roger Joseph Manning Jr., and many more. The Divorce Album is available now from your favourite streaming or download service. For more information, go to www.thedivorcealbum.com. Well, I want to thank you, Chris, for uh, spending uh, some time on Pablo's Pop and Podcast, for coming back to the show as well. Um, you know, I, I don't take it for yeah, granted because I know how busy you are. Um, you seem to be the busiest person in the world all the time. Um, <laughs> so, um, and you I, know, you, I don't know if I'd go that far, but yeah, <laughs> I keep busy. Yes, you do. And and apart from the tour uh, with David and Linus, uh, what else do you have coming up? Well, uh, I'm. As I said earlier, I'm in the process of mixing uh, the Bebopalula album, mm. which is uh, is a long time coming. Uh, we did an EP uh, in 2016, but we have a full-length record with all new songs, nothing from that EP. Um, and it's I'm pretty proud of it. It's really interesting stuff and always a great thing to be able to make music in a band where other people write and sing because it takes a little bit of the pressure off. Mm. Um, so we're, we're going to have that record out probably within the next year. So the next time we talk, we'll probably be able to talk about that. Um, and, uh, I'd say, uh, aside from that, I'm mixing an album I produced for a gentleman named Val McCallum, uh, who is an excellent guitarist, singer, songwriter. Uh, he, uh, plays in the band Jack Shit, who, was the backing band for the album I made with Jeffrey Gaines uh-huh. uh, back in January. And he also plays guitar with Jackson Brown and Lucinda Williams and all kinds of other great people. Uh, and is just like a remarkable singer-songwriter in his own right. And so that album is being mixed right now as well, which I produced. And it, uh, it was tracked live in the studio. Really uh, special piece of music. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I suspect there will be more songs, uh, some more Roger Manning co-writes in the near future uh, that will see the light of day. So we'll have that to talk about as well. So there's a there's a bunch of interesting things uh, on the horizon Then I'm also writing uh, for myself. I have uh, I have a few things that I'm really proud of already and uh, kind of writing with a theme in mind. uh, But remembering that that 
can produce rigid results and Dalmatian was great for being so loose. So I kind of want to, uh, while I'm writing with a theme in mind, I want to remember the lessons that I learned from this album. Awesome. Well, um, I'm very excited to hear what is going to be coming from you because uh, especially the Bebop Lula album as well. Um, if it's as wild as I think it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to freak some fucking minds. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I'm it's it's there's there's some fun there's some fun things going on on that record for sure it's uh, uh definitely uh definitely creates a vibe is the best way to put it it's uh it, it exists in its own little world excellent excellent well chris thank you for coming on the show um and where can, uh, we did talk about this but where can people find uh, your social medias and where's the best place to find you Musically. Well, you can go to my website, which is thisischrisprice.com, and there's links to all the social media there, and there'll be links to all the upcoming shows and to the SoundCloud and all of that. Uh, and uh, I'm on YouTube. I think you can get there through the website as well. I am also on uh, Bandcamp as well, where you can uh, you can buy copies of Homesick or Stop Talking. Actually, I think is also sold out on vinyl now. So um, you can get uh, you can get homesick right now and uh, that's and the Uncle John single. Those are the things that are for sale on Bandcamp right now. Nice. And and a little bit of self promotion. Uh, you uh, did that song for me, Take Me Back, which I'm still incredibly proud of. Yes. And uh, people can find that at uh, links below as well. And I'm hoping Yes, I is... I actually shared it. I shared it on my SoundCloud, so Oh, if you wonderful. go to my SoundCloud, it's it there's it's been shared there, reposted. Oh well, that's a that's an honor for me, and I'm hoping that we can work together musically again at some point as well. I would love that. I would love that. It was a blast. That's cool. that. Well, the album is coming along, but, so I will keep you updated on that. Great. Um. Well, thank Fantastic. you, thank you, Chris, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you, man. Cheers. Thanks to Chris. This is a track called Breakfast Cruise from his new album Dalmatian. Links to buy the album are below the show, so do check it out, and I will see you all next time.
those guys. We are no. those guys. We're, we're called those guys. Those guys. Thank you. Give it up for those guys. Give it up for us. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.